You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. God's promise that he's created these good works. We've created in the image of Jesus Christ, and he's going to let these good works shine as we walk into them. Just as God went before Joshua, just as God went before Paul, God goes before us. God goes before you. I know you've seen it happen in your lives. I know you've seen it happen in your lives. How many of you have ever been to a retreat, and before you went to the retreat, you had a conversation, whether in the car going or in the room before you got to the retreat? And you had this great conversation about the Lord, what the Lord's doing in your life. Have you ever thought about God being like a bodyguard for you? He's your security, walking ahead of and behind you, looking for perpetrators and seeking your protection. This is what Pastor Dave's talking about today. Through God's promises and His Spirit speaking, He's looking out for you. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Philippians chapter 3 as he continues his message, Standing on the Promises of God. We need to keep focus on the one who is able to keep us from falling. The one, Jesus Christ. We must ever look to Jesus for those calming words, don't be afraid. He even goes further to tell the disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. This is what God's promises do. They remind us and focus us to the truth. See, we get stuck, and we begin to believe the lies that Satan throws at us. we stuck, and all of a sudden, we're believing these lies, and we lose focus. We become tilted. And as we go through God's word, we're brought back to the focus. We're brought back to the center of our lives, which is Jesus Christ. We get struggling. Don't get annoyed when somebody comes to you and tries to bring you back to the focus of Jesus Christ. Don't get annoyed to them by when they do that. Paul said to the church of Philippi in chapter 3, verse 1, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but to you is safe. Paul's saying, don't get upset when I tell you to focus on Christ, when I tell you to trust in Him, when I tell you to rejoice in Him. I want to bring you back to a safe place. I want to bring you back into the arms of God's love in the arms of a loving Savior. I want to bring you back where you're most secure. Don't get stuck in your circumstances. Don't believe the lie by what you see. Believe what you know to be true in God's Word. We looked at God's Word. There are many promises, many, many, many promises, and some of them aren't for us. Some of those promises are not for us. They're for the nation of Israel, or they're specific to one person. But there are many promises in here that are for us, many promises that we can glean from. I know you have your favorites, but I have my favorite too. And one of them is 2 Peter 1, 2 through 4. I love this promises. Peter begins by saying, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ, as his divine power has given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these things you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. 
He says, I've given these things to you. Peter indicates that grace and peace, those two most precious gifts that everybody wants, they're ours in the knowledge of Christ. In the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that's where they are. As we know God, we gain these essentials for living. However, it's not only grace and peace, but it's all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things have been given to us, where? In the knowledge of him. In the knowledge of Christ. Knowing God is the key to where all things pertain to life lie. To where all godliness is. What a tremendous promise. We should strive towards him. We should strive to know him. We should not be dissatisfied with where we are, but we should press forward. Remember last week? We can't be satisfied with where we are. We need to press forward. We want more of the Lord. Unfortunately, we're willing to try almost anything else except the knowledge of Christ. We want to trust in schemes and plans. We want to trust in self. I'd rather know me than know Christ. I'd rather get to know me real deep, so I think I'm really going to dwell on me, rather than knowing him. We need to come to the same place of the Apostle Paul when he says that I may know him. That was his one goal, that I may know Christ. And the Greek word for knowledge here is not just a casual acquaintance. It means exact, complete, and thorough knowledge. Do you know the Lord like this? Is this the way you want to know the Lord? Is this how you grasp for the Lord in this way? How do we come to this knowledge? It comes as we learn of him through word, through prayer, and through the community of God like this. This is where the knowledge comes from, fellowshipping with one another. The word comes forth. You know, it does say that we're supposed to meet God in aloneness, but we're not supposed to be always alone. We need the community of believers in fellowship, iron, sharpening iron, building us up in the faith. I need someone to call me and say, hey, get your mind back on Christ. I need you. We need each other. We see someone, I need to prayer. Man, I want to pray for your brother. I want to pray for your sister. I want to write you back up. The ship seems to be listening. You're listening a little bit. We need to get you back on center. Let's pray with you. Let's fellowship together. Let's read God's word. And that's what we do as a fellowship. We come to the knowledge of him and his glory and his virtue. And what do we get? exceedingly great and precious promises. We get these things. This means that the promises of God are based solely on his glory, based solely on his virtue, and they are perfectly reliable because God cannot lie. And he's always faithful even when we're faithless. God is always there. That's what they're based on. See, his great promises are not based on me. Praise God. They're not based on me because I'm going to fail every single time, but God never fails. His promises are based on him. What a wonderful thing. His promises are based on him. Paul received these promises, and one of the promises was, I'm with you. We have the same promise that Paul received today. We have that promise in Hebrews 13.5. For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise of God. Our God is ever with us. He will not leave us nor forsake us. Remember what the angel said to Joseph? You shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Even his name means he's with us. You're never alone. You are not alone. God is always there. What a promise. What a promise. So Paul is now secure in God's promises because of this vision. He continues his work in Corinth. In verse 11 that we talked about a couple weeks ago says 
that he stayed there for 18 months. He stayed there a year and a half teaching the word of God. He was so empowered now by the Holy Spirit that he taught God's word. So we see God's promises. Next thing we see is God's providential hand or God's providence. And he fulfills those in Paul's life as his promises start to take place. His promises start to take place. Look at verses 12 and 13. When Galileo was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat saying, this fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. Eventually, the unbelieving Jews rose up. Something that Paul had experienced before, the unbelieving Jews are going to rise up and they're going to come against Paul. But remember, we talked about this. These were Paul's fears, and they were realized now. His fears were realized, and he's now going to be a subject to go to a trial at the hands of a mob. He's going to go to a trial at the hands of another mob. But God has gone before him. God has arranged circumstances to occur according to God's will. As he declared to Paul, he said, I have many people in this place, many people. And it appears that Galileo was one of God's people. See, God can use anybody in our lives, even those that are unsaved. He can use in our lives to work together for good, his purpose according to his plan. He uses all things. In verses 14 and 15, Paul says, when Paul tried to open his mouth, Galileo said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or wicked crimes, O Jews, there would be reason why I should bear with you. But if it is a question of words and names by your own law, look to it yourselves, for I do not want to be a judge in such manner. This is great. You know, we get the word providential from two sources. Latin meaning providere, meaning foresee, and the Greek word pronoia, meaning forethought. God foresees all, and he has foreknowledge of everything that's going to happen. Our God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and ever-present. He's at the beginning, he's at the end, and he's actively involved in our lives. He is always there, actively involved in his lives. And if it were not so, we'd have to rip out this page in the Bible where it says Romans 8, 28. And God works all things together for good for those that love him and are the called according to his purpose. And the first three words before that says, and we know. Do you know that? Bible says we do. Do you know that? I know a lot of you can spout that off. You can spout that off left and right. You probably know the scripture better than I. It's probably hanging on your refrigerator. You spout it right off. But do you know it? How many of you leave out and we know when just so God works all things together for good? You're supposed to know that. Make that real in your life. God works all things together for good. I love this promise. And I love the promise God made to Joshua. Look what God said to Joshua in Joshua 1, verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I have given you as I said to Moses. God was already there. Joshua walked into where God already was. God was already there. He made a way for Joshua and the steps that he sure ordained. We have a promise that's very similar to that. A promise that is very, very similar to that in Ephesians. Ephesians 2.10. Paul says to the Ephesian church, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared when? Beforehand, that we might walk in them. Same type of verse. We have God's promise that he's created these good works. We've created in the image of Jesus Christ, and he's going to let these good works shine as we walk into them. Just as God went before Joshua, just as God went before Paul, God goes before us. God goes before you. I know you've seen it happen in your lives. I know you've seen it happen in your lives. 
How many of you have ever been to a retreat and before you went to the retreat, you had a conversation, whether in the car going or in the room before you got to the retreat, and you had this great conversation about the Lord and what the Lord's doing in your life and blah, 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 and you go in and you sit down in a retreat and the speakers come up and one by one they talk about the exact same thing that you were talking about in the car. Tell me it's never happened. I know it's happened because you're laughing. And you go, wait a minute. Is there a microphone in my car? How did this guy know? You tell a person to come to church. You ask a person to come to church. You beg him to come to church. You beg them to come to church day after day, week after week. Come to church. You've got to come to church. And finally, the day they show up, they sit there. The pastor has no idea they're coming, prepares the message, and starts speaking the word of God. And they look at you and go, you told them everything I have ever done. How did you do that? God doesn't know. He prepares these things. He's prepared it for us. That's what God's providence does. God knows what's going to happen next week. He's going to know what's going to happen tomorrow. And guess what? He's preparing things even right now. He's preparing them. God had people in Corinth, and he was going to use them for his purpose. Paul was not even able to defend himself. Paul goes to open his mouth, and Galileo says, I got this one, Paul. And he talks for him. He doesn't even let Paul speak. Can you imagine Paul, the great orator? I guess Paul really wanted to slam him, but Galileo wouldn't even let him. I love it. Galileo jumps in and chastises the Jews for bringing the case before them. The Lord went before Paul, and Paul had to trust that he would be there. The Lord goes for us, and we need to trust that he's going to be there. He won't fail you. He will be there as he has promised. So we've seen God's promises, and we've seen God's providential hand, and now we look to God's protection as he protects Paul. We see in verse 16, and he drove them from the judgment seat. One thing I think Paul feared was another beating. He didn't want to get beat again by the hands of a mob. I think the memory of Philippi was too close in his head, or maybe even the memory of Lystra was just too close to him. He didn't want to go through another beating. Not that he wasn't willing to suffer for Christ, don't get me wrong. But I don't think anybody looking forward to go, okay, I'll take my beating now. I don't think anybody's in that area, you know. But Paul had had too many of them. I don't think he was ready for another beating. And God knew this. God knew that a beating might be the end of Paul. He might lose, but God protected him from it. God knew this. And his mighty hand of protection upholds Paul. Galileo is used by God to protect Paul and to keep him safe. God's protection is ever around us. But does God protect us in every situation? Does God protect us in every situation? Well, he works all things together for good. We know that. But they stoned Paul in Lystra, and they beat him in Philippi. However, we'll never know how many times God has actually protected us. We'll never know just how many times his protective hand has been upon us and kept us from various things, brought us out of different things. But we live in a world where we're free to make our own choices. We can't get around the fact that there will be hardship. Even Jesus himself said we would have hardship. He said we would declare hardship. But God does have a perfect will for us, and that includes different types of protections that we don't know. We must be confident in this. We must be confident in God's protection. God was clearly protecting Paul here, but poor Thosthenes, things didn't work out real well for him because they needed somebody to pound on. They really wanted to beat somebody up. Sothenes was the new ruler of the synagogue. He must have taken Crispus's place. It says in verse 17, Then all the Greeks took Sothenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and they beat him before the judge beat, but Galileo took no notice of these things. 
What an anti-Semitic thing that was. He just kind of turned his back and said, oh, you guys have a good time. They kicked and beat the snot out of poor Thothanes. They beat him up. Galileo looked the other way. These guys who were beating him was probably more of an anti-Semitic thing than being sympathetic with Paul. But have no fear. God's hand was upon this situation. God's hand was upon the situation even with the ruler of the synagogue, Sosthenes. You read in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 1, Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, and he writes these words. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother. It appears that Sosthenes got saved. It appears that maybe God used his circumstances in Sosthenes' life to save him, to bring him to salvation. So I guess God does work all things together for good. Maybe Paul was able to minister to this guy. Maybe Crispus, the other ruler, was able to minister to this guy. He works everything, even in dire circumstances. I know some of you are going through dire circumstances. I know things are bleak in your life sometimes. But I know God is faithful. I know God is true and his promises are true. And you have to believe that he will work things together for good according to his purpose. And that's the main thing. We don't know what his purpose is. We don't know what his purpose is, but I can tell you according to Scripture, we have to believe that they are good. And it's good. How can this be good? I don't know. But the Bible says it is, so I have to trust in it. It'll be good. God didn't only protect Paul, but God was protecting his church as well. God was protecting his church here because Galileo was correct in saying that the government has no legitimate role in deciding religious matters. He was correct here. He said, though, the government does have a right to, to a legitimate role to decide right and wrong for crimes and things like that. Yes. If Galileo had accepted the Jewish charge and found Paul guilty, all the providence governance, governors would have had a precedent. They'd have had a precedent, and Paul would have never been able to get anywhere. The message would have been stymied. It would have been stymied. But because of Galileo's, now Galileo is a Roman proconsul. He's representing the Roman government, and because of his acceptance and his recognition of Paul, Christianity became an approved religion. And it was God's protection that allowed it to happen. God used mightily Galileo. We see God's promise and God's providential hand and God's protection for the church when in Peter's great profession of faith. For afterwards, in Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus says, and I say to you, Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God says, I'm going to build my church not on you, Peter, because you're a man, but I'm going to build it on your profession of faith that Jesus is the Christ, Son of the living God, and that's where I'm going to build my church. And that's where I'm going to build my church. And guess what? Nothing will prevail against my church, not even the gates of hell. That's God's promise. That's God's providential hand, and that's God's protection. He's protecting the church from the gates of hell. What a promise we have. i got to go back to what I asked you earlier as we get ready to close. Are you standing on God's promises today? Is Jesus Christ the centrality of your life, and upon his promises do you stand? Are you standing there knowing that you're being guided by his providential hand, and knowing that you're under his eternal and glorious protection? You know, I love the Psalms. I really do, and I turn to them a lot. And those of you that know me, we even read a psalm almost every Sunday before we pray on uh, Sunday evenings. I love the psalm, but there's one psalm 
There's one psalm that is the epitome of God's promises, God's providence, and God's protection. And I'd like to end by reading that psalm to you right now. It is Psalm 91. Listen to the words that the psalmist writes. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield, your buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrows that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes you shall look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he, God, shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him, God's now speaking. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Wow. Talk about God's promises. Talk about God's providence and God's protection. The psalmist had it perfectly written down here for us to look at. Do you know the Lord like this? Do you know the Lord like this psalmist who wrote this psalm? So convinced of God's promises, so convinced of God's providential hand, and so convinced of God's protection that nothing can befall you. What can men do to you? Nothing. What can happen to you that's not in the God's palm hand? What can happen to you that God hasn't already ordained to happen to you? Even taking your life, you won't live a day longer than God says so. God even has that under control. Not one day. What a wonderful, gracious, loving God we serve. All through our Savior, Jesus Christ, we have these things. He's given us every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, and we have those things. They're ours, the promises of God. And are you standing on the promises of God Is that your foothold? Is that your strength? Those promises, the foundation laid by Jesus Christ. Are you standing on those today? And if not, I have to ask you, why not? Why not? Why wouldn't you stand on those promises? Why wouldn't you have a life that's full of excitement, a life that's full of grace and mercy and glory, even in the hard times and bad times? Standing on God's promises, there's life. I've come you might have life and life more abundant. We stand on God's promises and we have that life. Are you standing on those today? You are a You've been listening to Pastor Dave on A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave is working his way through the book of Acts. Did you know that the first martyr for Jesus was a great man of faith? His name was Stephen, and he was bold and courageous to proclaim the name of Jesus to others. He wasn't afraid to tell the truth, even when it cost him his life. What courage in the midst of opposition! 
Do you think you could do the same in this day and age? It's hard to stand up for Jesus when everyone around you is telling you you're intolerant, unloving, and just looking to put people down if you tell them they're doing something wrong. But what makes things right or wrong is firmly rooted in Scripture. It's God's Word that should direct morality, and Stephen was unafraid to go there. If you like this message and would like to catch up on any message you may have missed, head over to AsureHopeRadio.com. There you'll find many messages from the Book of Acts, as well as other series. If you find yourself in the Cape May, New Jersey area, stop in and see us. All the information you need is on our website, location, directions, and service times. And if you prefer to call, you can do that too. Our number is 609-884-5821. Once more, that's 609-884-5821. We'd be happy to answer any questions over the phone. Well, that's all we have time for today, but we've loved spending this time with you. We look forward to the next edition of A Sure Hope.